0: I speak to you in the name of the living God, blessed Trinity, and lover of your souls. Amen. I still remember the day my four-year-old sister beaming with pride showed me for the first time that she could write her name all by herself. My sister's palette was an assorted selection of semi-sharp rocks hand-picked from the gravel driveway, and her makeshift canvas was the passenger side of my dad's red pickup truck, <laughs> on which she etched her name forever into my family's history. As I took in this innocent moment, a look of mild horror remained on my face while my parents approached. <laughs> Though they praised her for her straight-lined consonants and well-rounded vowels, it didn't take long for my sister to realize she should have stuck to crayon on paper. As my father rummaged through the garage for an imaginary tool to fix a hopeless situation, my mother held my sister in her arms. We're not blaming you, she soothed. Speak for yourself, came the swift retort from my father <laughs> through the din of slam drawers and clanging tins. Speak for yourself. It's a colloquial phrase made popular in the early 18th century, but still used by fathers everywhere today. (laughs) We say it when someone has the audacity to speak on our behalf without checking with us first to see whether we agree with their assessment. Speak for yourself is meant to convey a difference of opinion, but embedded within it is also this unintentional encouragement to in fact speak for yourself, own your perspective rather than someone else's. Research in linguistics and communications tell us that I statements assume responsibility for your thoughts, your feelings and experiences, whereas we language assumes the sharing of responsibility. In today's gospel, Jesus speaks for himself. He takes responsibility for what he is saying while he's teaching in the synagogue. And this is an alarming experience for those listening to him because they're used to this rabbinic royal we. You see, embedded within rabbinic training is the assumption that authority to teach God's law comes through a line of succession from your teacher and their teacher before them passed on to you. So an authoritative teacher can trace their line of succession all the way back to Moses, the first person to receive God's law. According to Jewish Mishnah, Moses received the Torah from Sinai and transmitted it to Joshua, Joshua to the elders, the elders to the prophets, the prophets transmitted it to the men of the great assembly, and that's why Israel was to listen to the wisdom of the Jewish sages and the scribes, because they are all part of a direct line of teachers dating back to that moment Moses heard the voice of God for the first time on Sinai. Authority to teach Jewish law comes through the line of succession. When a teacher claims to know the meaning of God's law, they're ultimately claiming that what they say is true because Moses said it first. The trouble Jesus gets himself into today is that he's not claiming the authority of Moses. Jesus speaks with his own authority. His teachings about the scriptures are his own ideas rather than those of the former teachers. In fact, Jesus has this habit throughout the Gospels of quoting someone else's thoughts only if he's about to disagree with what they say. Listen to these familiar words from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. You have heard it said, you shall not murder, but I tell you, being angry with someone is just as bad as murdering them. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You have heard the prophets and the priests and the sages and even Moses himself tell you something, but I'm telling you something different. The audacity of Jesus to assume that he could speak for himself shocked the learned crowds, shocked and worried the religious teachers, and confounded the traditionalists who said, this isn't how we do it. Today's Gospel tells us that the crowds were murmuring to one another with amazement that bordered on terror. What is this new teaching with authority? They asked each other. And while their confusion and concerns mount, a man with an unclean spirit enters the synagogue and interrupts Jesus' teaching. So let's talk about what it means to be unclean here for a minute. The word in this text for unclean literally means mixed up in Greek. Mixed up. You may recall in the book of Leviticus that mixed things are not kosher. Clothing must be of one kind of thread. Certain foods must be prepared separate from other foods. Mixing can make things and the people who interact with them unclean. This man's spirit was mixed with something other than the spirit everyone else in the room seemed to have. There was an unknown element, something otherly, not yet understood, something that made his way of being different than most other people. The irony of this particular situation is that the mixed-up man is the only one in the room who isn't confused about where Jesus' new teaching with authority is coming from. I know who you are he says, the Holy One of God. So, now let's talk about the Holy One. This is a phrase we see all throughout the Old Testament used to describe God, as well as individuals whom God anoints and sets apart to do God's will. That's the priests, the kings, the prophets, and even Moses himself. This title, Holy One, is given only to those who will speak the direct words God gives them to speak. Only those who do just what God says to do. The Holy One is like a living, breathing, walking, talking Bible. God's teaching is written on the heart of the person rather than just on paper. And we see this tradition of the Holy One represented in today's Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy where God says to Moses, I will raise up a prophet like you from among the Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything that I command him to. So Moses foretold that there would be others like him who would receive this direct revelation from God rather than the revelation via the line of succession. And Jesus' is way of being a rabbi seems to have been so concerning because he was acting like a holy one of God. And that's not something that a legitimate rabbi had really ever done before. So the conundrum Jesus finds himself in today is that the mixed up man recognizes Jesus's holy one status before the crowds have a chance to understand all of this for themselves. So Jesus tells the man to quiet down. He wants people to think for themselves just as much as he wants them to speak for themselves. And then, whatever part of this man's spirit that was poorly mixed, Jesus draws out of him an act that seems to do three things. First, it heals the man and it brings him back into community. Second, It solidifies Jesus' authority. The crowds can't claim that Jesus is just a smooth talker. This act is proof that God's power is flowing through him. The laws of the universe do this rabbi's bidding. Someone's life was radically transformed before their eyes simply because Jesus told it to. And thirdly, Jesus' act shows us that speaking for yourself doesn't just convey authority, it also comes with responsibility. The story ends, it ends by telling us that this act made the news of Jesus spread across the region. Others who needed healing began to hear that Jesus can create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within. That was King David's ancient prayer to God and Jesus is fulfilling it. This story, this story is from the very first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, which is our oldest gospel and it's the very first moment that Jesus heals a person publicly. The headlines in the paper the next day all read Jesus calls out a mixed up spirit and makes it clean and right again. Can you believe it? This is why people began to flock to Jesus in ancient Palestine. And I wonder, isn't it why we still flock to Jesus today? Part of why you and I are here today is because we hope that Jesus will do for us what he did for this man in the synagogue. All of us struggle with mixed up spirits in some way. Like him, we hold within us the ideas and perspectives and expectations of so many others. There are opinions within us that don't come from within us, and they definitely don't come from God. If Jesus' teaching with authority tells us something, it's that we far too often seek affirmation and approval from the wrong sources. We look to others to determine how we should live our lives. But Jesus knew that legitimization, to be who God calls you to be, doesn't come from human succession. According to his teaching, we're not just children of Moses or Abraham, we are ultimately all children of God. So perhaps Moses' foretelling that God would one day raise up the holy ones is not just about jesus but about jesus's followers too jesus begins his ministry by teaching people how to think for themselves how to speak for themselves and eventually how to pray for themselves what we call the our father with its invitation to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done It just might be Jesus' way of transforming our mixed-up spirits into holy ones. So today, we come here to learn from Jesus' ministry. And if we will let him, he can quiet our mixed-up spirits. He can draw out the voices within you that do not belong to you or to God, help you to think for yourself, and speak for yourself, and pray for yourself, so that God's teaching can be written on your hearts rather than just on paper. And you too can become a living, breathing, walking, talking Holy One of God.